in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 185. 185. Jeebus. We started, like, what, what 170? Yeah, I think so, because 169 was the was the anniversary episode, I think. So I think 170 was our first first solo episode. Fifteen episodes in. And we're still reviewing comic books. <laughs> yeah, but this is the last time. Well, I mean, not forever, but... <laughs> this is... There's an exclusive there, folks. This is the last time. <laughs> yeah, we got 15 episodes in, then we decided, nah, I see why Jim and Dan couldn't do it anymore. We quit. <laughs> We're taking this in a whole different direction. Oh, man. But yes, after tonight, we will be, as of at least for like less, a little bit less than 24 hours now, we'll be, we'll be completely caught up with all the regular... Green Lantern, other the four main titles, will be caught up with all the regular issues. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is nice for a change. That's true. That's true. Uh, side note, um, just because I'm multitasking right now, I'm just <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at my Facebook page and I have this album just because yeah, we we don't have any lead anymore uh, leading anymore and I feel kind of feel weird about that <laughs> like we don't we just go straight into issue reviews like we're kind of like get it let's get it over with. Um, but anyways, I, 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 free comic book day was the other day. Uh, it was uh, last Saturday, May third, and um, I went to four different stores and I got twenty free comics. Uh, you know, as as a cumulative, as you know, going back and forth between all the stores uh, and getting my limit there. And one of the stores I went to was like uh, fifty cent comics, but also buy one get one free. So, you know, that was too good of a deal to pass up. So luckily I have this this album on my Facebook page that's all the comics I need to get to create. Uh, like there, there are certain binds that I've probably talked about before on the show that I want to get done. One of which is the uh, Superman stuff uh, from like uh, 09-ish. Um, the new Krypton all the way up to the War of the Superman stuff. Really enjoyed those stories, so I wanted to do a bind on that. So I got a, a good handful of those issues, and I was just flipping through. So these are numbered by shields. Like there's a shield on each on each issue to let you know which at what point in the story that these individual issues that cross over uh, Superman, Action Comics, and Supergirl for the most part, with smattering special issues in between, where they fall in the storyline, and. There's I'm I'm reading this this um, this this comic here uh, earlier um, adventure comic special featuring the Guardian. It's a one shot. Uh, it's uh, from January of '09, and it's number three in the Green Shield numbering. But on the very first panel, it says in a little caption box, "This takes place between pages 53 and 54 of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen special number one." <laughs> Talk about an obscure reference point. (laughs) 
But but and not even just like before that issue or right after that issue. In between pages fifty three and fifty four of that special, I, I what? <laughs> I don't. It, it, does that mean the Jimmy the Jimmy Olsen special is is uh is part of it? Because Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen special number two is is part of the red shield numbering that that comes after the green shield so it's not part of that does does, it, does that mean i need to go get another comic that wasn't what that wasn't mentioned in this like in in the shield numbering and, and what do i do when i go for the bind like if i do get the jimmy olsen special does that really mean that i'm gonna have to get the jimmy olsen special number one cut it up and divide it between pages 53 and 54 and stick this comic in between the bind. <laughs> You'll need to get a high-quality staple remover. <laughs> Corwin, help me. <laughs> oh, anyways. Uh, but yeah, I, I, now I have like a stack that's like five inches high, six inches high of, uh, of all these uh, comics, and I'm still missing a few. So I'm like going through and I'm just looking at the comics I do have their cover and comparing it to my album and deleting stuff out of the album. I don't know, it's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, how was your free comic book day? It was not nearly as eventful as yours. <laughs> it ruined my life. <laughs> no, no, you, you, def, you definitely did the uh, comic book day for both of us this, this year since you went to multiples and I only went to my one local comic shop and by the time i got there which was which was much later in the day than planned they pretty much eh, all all the little special events were gone the the uh the, the ghostbusters were gone and the uh stormtroopers from the 501st legion were gone <laughs> by the time i got there they, they had like two or three mini mini stacks of free comic books left what did you get? Or did you I didn't get, get, a, I didn't get, a, I didn't get anything. All, the only free comic books I have were the ones I pre-ordered on DCBS, which I don't technically have yet. But I, I added them. I back when I pre-ordered the uh, White Power Lantern battery, you were able to pick your like five books or whatever. You get up to five, up to five free books. You were able to add. You know, so that's so that's what I did. So at some point, I will be getting those. <laughs> Whenever, whenever something else I actually paid for, I guess, comes in on DCBS. Yeah, they really they really need to change the name or you need to call that something different. The White Power Battery. I mean, that is that is what it is. <laughs> yes. Well, um, white Power! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Well, the Black Power Battery is much better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so long as there's balance. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose, yes. Um, what did I... I've read a couple of them. I read so... Future's End, I guess, would be the only thing that would be any of any relevance to people on the show. Eh. But, you know, to be fair, I, I didn't expect it to be anything other than eh. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is one of the ones I have. Um, I, I, I did have pulled. <laughs> yeah. It's, um... I don't know how to feel about it. It's, uh... Yeah. I, I don't know. Um... I, I enjoyed the offering from, uh action lab this year there's there seem to be a lot of anthologies this this year like uh you know, small short smatterings of the various stories and titles that each individual publishing company is excited for rather than just one consistent story throughout the whole issue which you know makes sense but at the same time my first exposure to free comic book day was during blackest night and we had that uh blackest night issue zero 
Which was good, actually. <laughs> Which was good, and it was its own self-contained story, and it's the, the whole thing. So, I guess, I guess, uh, I was that. This kind of the that spoiled the, the the fun for me, I guess. But you know, got a couple other things. Got some comics. Got some. Um, got some uh, action figures that I'll uh, will at some point be offering up as a uh, as a. Uh, prize for a future contest and i know the word contest and lantern lantern cast don't really go historically very well together but give us a shot <laughs> it's a new dawn it's a new dawn uh <laughs> so i guess we i guess that's enough of preamble uh so do you want to take uh, green lantern number 30 yes 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 i will green lantern number 30 which features a very awkward-looking Hal on the cover. <laughs> Extremely look awkward Hal fighting a coon with the can one battle end a cosmic war with the that is the that is a little blurb on the cover. The writer is Robert Venditti. The artist is Martin Cocolo, and the colorists are Tony Avina and Alex Sinclair. So we begin on Oa. Excuse me, Mogo. Second time I think I've done that recently. Uh, I wish it was kind of a while on some level, but at least it's a prettier landscape on Mogo. It's Hal looking pretty depressed. Uh, Morrow comes over to him. Uh, we find out that the, re- the reason why Hal's depressed is basically because it's, for, for lack of a better term, it's the it's the grand, the grand opening of the new uh, of the new cemetery, the new crypt for the Green Lantern crypt, just on Mogo, and. All the all the lanterns are gathered, and of course, Hal is, Hal is the core leader. Is there to say a few words? The uh, t- tombstone that he gravitates to pr- the most is Kyle's. That's the one he addresses. He he says a few words, kind words regarding Kyle. He you know he died, so all of us, every living being, could live on. And. After you know, after he says a few words, and all the all the lanterns kind of kind of rally there, with a burn bright, and they raise their rings. Then everybody else kind of wanders off, holding holding their hand, you know, hands kind of like crossed in front of themselves, looking still depressed. Even though you also have Saint Walker there kneeling before Kyle's grave, you have you know, Hal's little. Uh, his little task force there, his little inner circle, his little council. That's pretty much all that's left at the graveyard uh, at that moment, and they're kind of talking. Kilowog says, tells Hal he did a good job. Hal kind of says, well, you know, at this point that it's my job to make sure that no other lantern ends up here. And Salak accurately <laughs> points out that your job is to win the war. And Kilowog, you know, reinforces that, you know, that's exactly right, that, you know, pretty much uh, – you really can't simply put the concept is that you really can't you know save everybody from dying. I mean your job is to lead the core and lead the core and get the job done. And kind of ironically, you know, considering how many times Hal's kind of sort of been dead, as as they all fly off on, on their next mission, you have Hal going to Kilowog. You know, when my time when my time comes, say a few words over me. And he goes, a few, I can manage that. We transition to Space Sector 0571, a space station. It's an interstellar 
port, the Oasis Bay it's called. Uh, there's a Coon's warship, which is which is docked there. It's called the Drocoon, and it's the newest and the fastest Coon ship. Uh, Hal's, Hal's uh, council is with Salak and what was it, 2-6? And Kilowog arrive, and as soon as Hal sees the Coon's warship, he's thinking about calling in reinforcements. And Salak points out, we can't, there are protocols to consider. And we have to pretty much meet with the emissary. We can't be calling in reinforcements. You have this little, little tiny, almost like Yoda looking like character, kind of like a Yoda and a chipmunk combined, f- floating around on a hover on a hover chair. And he's an old friend of Salak, and they're chit chatting while while they're having their conversation. The coons show up, and there's four coons squaring off against the four lanterns, and it looks like there's going to be a there's going to be a big battle. You know how how pretty much is trying to uh, point out the fact that uh, he's just laying laying it out everything everything they've done and that you you need to help us. Or and then he accuses the uh, Pregus, who is the who is the leader, the emissary, that he accuses him of harboring the war, war machine, and it becomes crystal clear that Pregus. Is pretty much one of these characters, and now in in this situation is one of those situations where you're in a completely neutral territory, where no matter what these sides, who are, who's running this operation isn't gonna isn't gonna choose a side. But he offers them a a compromise that, according to their laws, that basically you can have a representative from each side argue for the outcome. Hal jumps to it, going, "Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll do that. I mean, I'm no lawyer, but I can but I can take you know, but I can." out-argue this guy, basically. And what Hal, of course, doesn't understand, which Salak is trying to tell him, is that argue is a term used used very loosely. And basically, it's going to be a battle to the battle to the death. And whichever guy survives, that's, they win the argument. Ku is the leader of the Kund, ironically. Um, not very original, but... <laughs> But he is. So he was on the ship first. He arrived in port first. So according to their their laws at, on the Oasis Bay, he gets to choose the weapon. He picks the ceremonial cooned throat knife, which is quite nicely named. Hal Jordan, of course, is, is forbidden to uh, use the ring. So the trial basically is going to begin in a few hours. And then we have a scene which kind of, I don't know if you thought this, it kind of reminded me of Star Trek a lot. Like an old Star Trek episode, because you basically have everybody, everybody at the bar at o, at Oasis Bay, and you have the coon, you have the lanterns on one side, then you have the coon showing up, and they start talking trash to each other. Hal pretty much says, uh, "Yeah, why don't you come down and have a drink?" They start making jokes about, you know, coon, you know, they want the coons want around, or the coon in particular wants around the Kundish ale and Hal makes a joke that any lightweight that calls this ale probably needs help fighting wars and they just kind of have some interesting jokes and banter back and forth but it becomes pretty pretty clear just by their banter that they kind of have a grudging respect for each other and even surprisingly I think the Kuhn points out that you know I kind of li- I like you Lantern I mean too easily in the storm of battle we lose sight of those fighting and in another time we might even be allies so Hal kind of acknowledges that he's not so bad either. 
Now if we jump ahead to two hours where Hal's flat on his back because he's getting his ass kicked in the in the in the battle. Ku is asking for Hal to surrender, which of course Hal doesn't really know the word, so he won't. They keep fighting. Uh, Hal ends up as Kug charges him, Hal pretty much uh, is able to maneuver him. So he ends up going back flat into his own weapon, which is sticking out of the wall. One of, one of the, the knives, anyway, the throat knives. Um, Kug collapses with the, with the blade sticking out of his back. Hal's concerned. I mean, Hal's barely conscious, but he's concerned about about Koo, and he goes, you know, let's get him to the infirmary. Just then, the other members of Koo's crew, the Coons, show up. And they pretty much finish the job, and they kill the dying Koo right there. They start stripping him of all his armor and all his possessions. They, t- they pretty much say they're going to throw, you know, they're going to just throw his body away in the, comp- in the trash compactor. They don't care. Because this is, this is the Koon's way. Of doing things and Hal's all halt mad. He wants to, you know, he basically wants to go at the other coon for what they did to Ku, but of course he's in no shape to continue. Based on the wager that they made, which of course I didn't really touch upon the they made the the wager that they made. So let me go back and touch upon that. They made the wager before they their argument basically. The winner was if the Green Lanterns won, they were going to get the Drow coon. They were going to get the the prize warship of the coon. And, of course, if the Coon had won, they were going to get Hal Jordan and his entire council as prisoners, which at first they didn't think that was going to be much of a prize. So Hal kind of pointed out, well, I am the leader of the Corps, so it's kind of, it's kind of a good prize to have. But the Green Lanterns won, so they get, so they get the Drocoon. We switch back to Mogo, where the, uh, where the Durlin, who we saw last looking for his vials of radiation to be able to change – He's still in the cave. Uh, Muck Muck shows up and he kind of points out that you know, the Durlins are supposed to be you know, craftier than basically coming back to the same place when you know your, your cache of uh, energy has been stolen from you. The Durlin says, okay, fine. You can arrest me. Just let me feed. And then Muck Muck goes, well, sorry. After what you did, I just can't let you do that. And he fries him. Uh Foz shows up and he goes, "What's going on? You know, we were supposed to capture this guy and 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 Muck Muck or is he really Muck Muck comes up with this lie about how he changed into a Kaltusian sea dragon. What was I supposed to do?" And Vaz just goes, "Well, you're okay. Well, you're carrying him back." He goes, "At least Hal will be glad that the dirty fi- the dirty spy finally paid for his crime." Then you have a really sneaky looking grin on Muck Muck's face, and that pretty much ends Green Lantern Thirty. Oh, Muck Muck. Oh, muck, muck, indeed. And no good farging. Sneaky bastage. <laughs> Where's that from? Uh, Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> nice. You're no good farging. Sneaky bastage. <laughs> but indeed, so. Um, You know, this is a really weird thing for me to focus in on, but I do this every time. Anytime a lantern, such as more... More specifically, an Earth Lantern eats or drinks something that's not from Earth. <laughs> I'm always wondering why they don't scan it first to make sure it's not going to kill them. <laughs> or make them super sick to drink something that's from somewhere other than their planet. Made with well, stuff maybe... other than what grows on their planet. <laughs> well, maybe it's like one of those auto settings that, you know, the ring will tell you if it's going to... 
If you if you're eating something off or drinking something off world, maybe the ring's gonna tell you right away. It's like oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Here, here, here take five emodium first. <laughs> muck muck. Um, what? Yeah, what did you think of this issue? I actually kind of liked this issue. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Probably because, like we talked about in the last uh, episode, that it's kind of a self-contained story in the big picture of the, you know, in a bigger picture of the whole war. And again, I think I, I think I did like it because there definitely was that uh, Star Trek vibe to it. It's kind of like a, the uh, the Tribbles episode, the Trouble with Tribbles, when they're all and then. When the crew and the Klingons are at the bar and they end up having a fight and they kind of like talk trash and everything else. and that, That's kind of what the scene was at the bar at the, the Oasis Bay. I kind of like that. I mean, that's what it reminded me of. And I kind of like the fact that even though obviously they don't, they don't have a hell of a lot in common other than the fact that they're warriors. That there's that Hal and Koo over there kind of have a they pick up the, they pick up that they have enough in common just with the fact that they're warriors that they kind of have a respect for each other and that they kind of just. You know, more or less, circumstances are making them enemies more than the fact that there's just there's no way they could ever get along. Mm, I'm sure that reference to Star Trek meant something to somebody. <laughs> I've never I've never seen any. To to my knowledge, I don't have a, have a history of watching much Star Trek. Um, maybe when I was younger, I remember I remember my dad watching X Files, and I remember him watching Star Trek every now and then. But I don't remember any – I just remember him watching him. I don't remember what was happening. I remember hiding in my room when X-Files came on because I was creepy. <laughs> well, lots, lots of people got creeped out with the music, I think. Yeah. I remember that. A lot of people – the theme song kind of kind of freaked people out a lot. Some people anyway. And I think it came on right before my bedtime. That would make sense on, on Sunday, right? It was Sunday. I think so. I think the show was on. I think so. I just, that, that music – and I'll probably insert it <laughs> just for the hell of it. Um, what did you think of the art? Um, or the coloring? I, thought I don't know. If it, it, the, the coloring seemed a little muted. Mm-hmm. I think the coloring wasn't. The coloring was not nearly as bright. I think for the most part, I thought Hal looked pretty good. It is kind of ironic that we, since we had a different artist, but yet to me, one of the worst pieces of art in the book is the cover, mm-hmm. and that's and that's still tan. Because Hal looks so stiff on that cover. Yeah. It's like he, it's like he doesn't even have knees, for God's sake. Uh, no joints at all. Kilowog, I didn't think, looked particularly good. Hal, I thought, looked pretty good. Um, I thought the Coon looked pretty good. Muck Muck looked interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Muck Muck. But yeah, but definitely, from a coloring point of view, I'm not sure if it was by design or not, but yes, but everything kind of looked a little pale. The green seemed not very particularly bright, not very crisp. Maybe that was done on purpose, or maybe that's just the style. That's one of the things I picked up on, too. But it was one of the better issues, certainly lately, I think, of Green Lantern. Yeah, for sure. It's cool to see uh, St. Walker's there. Which I actually think I missed the first time I read it. I noticed that when I was when I was rereading it the other day, I, I just I kind of noticed that, probably because he doesn't say anything. It's, and it's at the end when pretty much the lanterns are filing out of the crypt that you see him just kind of like kneeling well, before Kyle's great. Well, he's standing in the, the crowd right next to Goran's son, uh, on the splash page. You are correct. He is there. Yep. I think I'm, I probably missed that the first time too, even though he, his tail kind of gives him away. Yeah. <laughs> um, hard to, hard to blend in the crowd with that thing. 
not I don't like I I don't know how there it's almost like they're asking too much of of Mogo like well we go rain on that spot yeah <laughs> I almost mentioned that but to me, uh, to me it didn't I think the reason I didn't because I kind of thought it was dumb to begin with <laughs> not one it's drop like, of rain like, falls why I mean it's, like, it's not like it's not like rain is such a vile thing you know <laughs> not one drop of rain falls on this place Mogo. And it, it, it's it's period. It's not like, can you do this for us? Is it possible? It's hey, core leader. I'm telling you, it's not going to rain right here. Okay, sure thing, boss. <laughs> like, who gives a and shit? You would think you'd want it a little more green than you would like barren and dirt. <laughs> you'd think you'd want some green in there, or at least to keep the green there, make it make it continually green instead of just probably dying if it doesn't get rain. Hmm. I thought that was an odd request. I do like the fact that I like this issue because of the fact that we this, this Kund and Derlin thing has been going on so long, but we like this because we finally maybe get like a little bit of a character piece into the Kund themselves. Right. So that's that's cool. And it took me forever, a couple of read-throughs, well, a couple of page turns, to understand how Ku died. Like, I was like, wait, how do you get that knife in his back? And I was like, oh, oh, he tries to make a move for Hal, and it gets stuck in the wall, and he never pulls it out of the wall. I see. Yep, and it's kind of like double-bladed pretty much. So Yeah, I, I, it took me forever to figure that out. I was like, what, what, what happened here? Because <laughs> I was just focusing on them fighting. I didn't like look at the wall behind them. <laughs> so that was cool. Um the fact that 2-6 still doesn't have a symbol kind of gets on my nerves. Like, they're taking her out on missions, and she's part of the inner circle. And, like, it's this whole thing, and she still doesn't have her her her, her symbol. Um, maybe, by, maybe by the end of the war, she'll do something, or just if she's still in the small council, maybe at that point, maybe she'll, here, take this. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on with Muck Muck. Muck Muck. You, oh, I you, think we know. You let me down, Muck Muck. I think we know what's going on with Muck Muck. What do you think is going on with Muck Muck? Muck Muck isn't really Muck Muck. You think he's a Durlin? Yeah, I think he's a Durlin. The Durlins can't use the ring. I thought there was something that we were gonna. I thought no. there was something that was kind of hinted at that we were gonna find that they could use the ring. No, the Durlins can't use the ring. It's been it's been established this whole godforsaken storyline. <laughs> But I thought there was something that was in the solicit or something that was go- that indicated that they were going to find somebody who that could use the ring. Or there was going to be a way. But yeah, there's something. There's well, I, obvi- well, if he's not a Durlin, then obviously he's 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 al- he's allied with them. But the que- but the reason the reason why I thought he was a Durlin is because I figured he's the one who took their uh, the energy sh- the the other radiation vials. They use up the rest of this guy's radiation vials because he's the one that found them. Yeah, he, and then when the guy comes back and finds them, they're empty. Yeah, he could. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is some the start of something else. It could be. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it, Green Lantern Thirty One's out now. I don't know, or is it? I have no idea. Um, yeah, by the time we're done recording, <laughs> technically, probably <laughs> by tomorrow it'll be. By 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 this time tomorrow, let's say it'll definitely be out. Um, I don't know. He could be a spy. He could be just a Green Lantern who's had a you know 
up to his gills with uh, <laughs> with with all this crap and just figures it's okay. We might as well just kill him. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. So, but that fish is up to no good. For sure, that fish is up to something fishy. That's right. <laughs> something smells fishy in this book, and its name is Muck Muck. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end on that. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, Green Lantern Corps number 30, as it loads onto my screen in painfully slow fashion. How appropriate. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern Corps number 30, Van Jensen, Chris Batista, Scott Collins. Hey, Scott Collins. Uh, oh, he did all the art on the flashbacks. I knew I recognized that artwork. It's just the colors were kind of funky. Um, alrighty, so... Death Walks Among the Lanterns. We open in Space Sector 700, the planet Durla, centuries ago. And basically, this whole story, once again, we do the flashback thing, um, which I don't know. Eh, whatever. Basically, throughout this story, there's one, there's two different stories happening. The history of the Durlins and what's going on on Mogo right now uh, with the Durlins. So... Uh, the one telling the history of the Durlins is, is of course, um, Van Daggle. Von Daggle. Uh, he's, the story opens with him starting about the history of it. Uh, this guy, this, this uh, creature that looks like the original Durlin, which is the Durlins that we're familiar with from like pre-New 52 with the antennas on their head and everything, is hunting this mouse-like creature and as he goes to kill the mouse-like creature, the mouse-like creature like starts sprouting tentacles and turns into this crazy beast and murders murders the face off this one guy. Um, and, you know, takes his form, marks, marches into the village, and then kills the village. Uh, the whole thing predicated on nobody knows what the original Durlins look like. Um, but after a while, they became associated with this tentacle dude. So now... Space Sector 0440, the sentient planet Mogo. Von Daggle is talking to um, uh, Gornson and John and uh, Arisi and them, uh, telling them, you know, basically Durlin fighting tactics one on one, one on one. So they're trying to figure out a plan of how to push the Durlins out into the open so they can get the advantage and kind of flush them out. Because they know some of them are on Mogo and they need to get them. Um, so at this point, Arisi approaches John and tells him what's going on with 2814. And he kind of shrugs it off. And then uh, Yara is like, well, there's no force in the universe that's going to stop you from going home. And I'm going with you, baby. You know. Uh, and then later on, the Durlins are talking in the woods. And there's a lightning strike. And the forest starts burning. One of the Durlins wants to transfer transform into tear rules and fly, but one of the Durlins is like, no, that's probably just what they want. They'll be waiting overhead to flush us out, to kill us. Um, so they transform into foxes, I guess, <laughs> whatever they are, um, and go scurrying out. It's at this point we cut back to another story of uh, Space Sector 1419, the planet Valingia, centuries ago, where this guy is... Uh, the, the Durlins are conquering planets by transforming into other creatures um, 
killing people that are, you know, hated enemies, which causes a war. And, you know, it's the, the Durlins themselves aren't doing anything direct, but, you know, in the ensuing war, they, the native populace kills each other off and the Durlins take over. And then now a Mogo, uh, the little fox panther thing that Durlins are transformed into are at the edge of the woods. And then they find that there's a contingent of lanterns waiting for them. And the lanterns start fighting them, along with Von Daggle, who's with them. Um, they start, de- some of the, the, one, I don't know if they all do, one of the uh, Durlins starts destabilizing and can't hold his form. So then Daggle goes into a history of the Durlins' experience with the core and talks about how um, you know when they captured the Durlins, uh, there were too many Durlins for the science cells. So the, and I'll just read here. Well, the Guardian says, then we will banish them back to their home world to Durla to the next the, the next time they venture out into the universe. We will not be so lenient. So they exile the Durlins back to their home planet of Durla, but and I'll read again here. But the Guardians didn't consider how this would affect those Durlins who had remained on Durla because there were so some Durlins who uh, who went bad and some who just kind of sought you know the peacekeeping way and you know kept their form and everything. Um, so what by what happens is by all of the. Uh, assassins and terrorists being deposited back onto Durla, they start conquering the, you know, more peacekeeping type of uh, Durlins, and they they take control of their planet, and uh, nobody can tell who's who, so they just start killing each other. Uh, But someone set set off a bomb, a warhead, and it... Uh, let's see. The ancients say that within six minutes, the planet was scoured by radioactive fire. Um, so the, the the planet doesn't die in it in the fact that it explodes or anything. But s- some Durlins had burrowed deep. I'll just read for a minute here. Uh, a few of the Durlins had burrowed deep. They'd been flooded with radiation and lost the ability to hold form. They were trapped in flux, ever shifting. They're the ones we call the Ancients. The survivors turned into the Krolitan gremlins, turned to the Krolitan gremlins to experiment on them, attempting to restore their physiology, but they were too badly damaged. Instead, the Ancients used their genetic code to create a race of, create a new race of Durlins. These clones can hold their form, but only by absorbing and expending radioactive energy, the lasting curse of the six-minute war. So, the the Durlins that we're seeing now in the storyline are clones. Um, now back on Mogo, uh, Voz is reassuring him that everybody will be all right. And we'll we'll you know the they're not science cells, but the the, the prisoners aren't going anywhere. Um, Yara and Daggle start arguing and about how to how to handle the the, the Durlins, and then. Uh, this 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 next thing we cut back to sector 700 the planet durla and the kund is talking to the ancients and they have created this armor stuff um so they throw uh, I, I don't know they don't throw uh they have it on the the precipice um and the what happens is some of the ancients i don't know if all of them or just some of them 
but some of the ancients uh, kind of reach up and pour themselves into this armor so that the ancients themselves can take place in the war. And next, Uprising begins, begins, begins in Green Lantern number 31. Did I mention which the only good thing means it'll be since it's beginning it means it'll be ending. (laughs) So all of this was prologue, all of it. (laughs) So so this is only six parts, so it's not entire. If they build up to once again to another storyline, but at least it's not like at least the actual storyline is only supposed to be six issues long. Only (laughs) because this actual storyline is has nothing to do. And won't yeah. won't won't rest at all on any of the, the the facts that have been set up thus far in these storylines. This is this is literally <laughs> this is this is like a an, a an 16, 18 issue storyline at this point, <laughs> including the stuff that's coming up with Uprising. Uh, that's probably be, in, in core certainly that's going to be true. That's going to be true. Yeah, uh, damn well close or damn well close to it since. It's, since it's been dealing going on with core like we talked about last time, pretty much nonstop, other than the relic issue and the uh, year one issue. Yeah, I like the Scott Collins artwork as always. Um, I just don't know if I like the coloring, the color palette they chose to use for Scott Collins' work in the flashbacks. I don't know how to describe it. The green is an odd green. Yeah, it's like limey. Yeah. But I've always liked Scott's work, so. What did you think of the story? Well, <laughs> we certainly have read worse chapters in the storyline. <laughs> yeah, the history of the Durla stuff was cool. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's... The cool, one of the cooler parts was the the point about how you know the guardians once again being the guardians they kind of screwed things up, even if that wasn't their intent. That uh, so there's a certain under, there's a certain logic or understanding why they hold the Green Lanterns responsible and why they want revenge, since they kind of blame the whole destruction or ruining of their planet and the uh, whole six minute war and the fallout there from. They really play that at the feet of the Guardians. <laughs> Add that to the long list. <laughs> the Guardians need more feet for everything that's laid before them for things that the problems they've caused. But so on, on that level, it was somewhat it was somewhat interesting. Uh, even though they did hop and skip again, I didn't. Find, it wasn't nearly as distracting as the uh, annual. True. It was a pretty good story. I think. I think. I think to be fair that especially looking at th- both issues of Green Lantern and Core together, that this is probably one of the better months we've had since of this whole Durlan Kuhn storyline. That the two issues of those two books this month probably are some of the strongest entries in it. Anyway, I would agree. But please, God, let it end soon. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't need uprising aftermath. Let's just let's just get that on the table right now. Yeah, we don't. Um, not. I feel like we say this a lot lately. Not a whole lot happens in the storyline insofar as the stuff that's going on on Mogo now. Some Durlins are hiding in the forest. They flush them out, catch them. That's really it. 
right? The 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 meat of the of the issue is the in the history of the Durlins and the last page where you know the ancients pour themselves into this new armor stuff. That's true. So I don't mean I don't, I don't, well, what else can we say? Apparently the ancients smell bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, they are ancients, so what do you expect? <laughs> so. All right. Uh, I, I I mean I don't know what else to say. I I, I feel like uh, I mean I don't I don't want to be disrespecting the issue or anything by you know not giving its du- giving it its due. But I mean not a whole lot happens here. So unless you got something you want to move on to Red Lanterns. I say we move on to Red Lanterns. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Red Lanterns number thirty, Judgment Day, part one of three, which features, of course. The, the ever-present figure of Dexter on the cover. <laughs> Atrocitus is there, too, of course, in the background, but all you pretty much see is a huge Dexter hovering over all the other Red Lanterns that we've come to uh, know and at least like, if not love, in the, la- in, in the last uh, pretty much year's worth of issues. Charles, Charles Sewell, excuse me, is the writer. Uh, Jay Calafiore is the artist, along with Alessandro Vitti. And actually, there's a... And Shaco sequence too. He has this. He's the artist. And I think that might be where the part that he covers. Either way, but let's just say there's more than one artist in this issue. So we begin in Sector Seven Seven Five, the planet Primene, and we have a judge. Um, what do you think, Shiko or Shaco? Shaco, probably, right? Yeah. Let's say Shaco. It sounds a little better. That she is giving. She had been giving her basically her judge's robes. By the king of that world, where she's going to sit and judge, and she has her her basically her her bailiff there, her Parthu, and the first time we see them together, she goes, "Ho, Parthu, how do you propose I do the job today?" As ever, they call them legators. Uh, as ever, legator, fairly and well, fairly and well then. And now we we fast forward way into the future where they both are still there. Shaco is still the judge, and Parthu is still her loyal officer by her side. And basically, we find out that the king, the king who put her on the bench, his son, Prince Karsik, is pretty much accused of everything, of every crime under the sun. And you know, Prince Karsik thinks he, you know because of who he is and everything else, he's going to get off the hook. She makes it clear that. You know, justice. She wants to prove and for the and put on the record that justice has not fled from Pramine. So she finds him guilty of all his crimes, everything he's accused, and as she points out, and undoubtedly many more. And she sentences him, sentences him, excuse me, to be executed. And she tells or asks Officer Parthu to do his duty, and he agrees. He pulls his gun out and he aims it at the prince. Meanwhile, the king is watching all this and he goes, oh, Shaco, I had hoped for more from you. And we find out quickly that that Parthu has pretty much been bought off by the king and you know more corruption all over, all over this world that there really is no justice left on this planet except for her. And Parthu proceeds to shoot and seemingly kill Shiko. Now we cut back to Yismal to where Bleez is recovering after her crash landing as these pseudo-meteorite from last issue, where they continue their discussion about Atrocitus. 
she keeps reiterating the fact that, yes, you know, Atrocitus is back. He has a ring. Rancor stayed to fight, so basically I could escape. I shouldn't have done that. They, um... All, all, uh... Blaze wants to do is basically get back in action and have the Red Lanterns go and rescue Rancor. Guy pretty much says, well, what we really need to do here is we need to focus on getting the other rings. We need to focus on all the other rings that Atrocitus had sent out in the beginning to try to get to increase the size of the Red Lantern Corps because if Atrocitus pretty much gets to all these Red Lanterns first, he's going to outnumber us by more than two to one, and that's not going to be a good thing. Um, guy, guy tells Zox to pretty much to see if he can use the scanners on their ship to see if they can make it work like a big ring so they can basically do a massive search to find as many ring bearers, Red Lantern ring bearers as possible. Atrocitus, he figures, you know, basically he's going to have to go from world to world or sector to sector, blip by blip on the radar screen to find one at a time. If they use the ship, they might be able to have a bigger picture where all the Red Lanterns are and kind of like beat Atrocitus to the punch. You know, Blees continues to want to just get up and go for Rancor. Guy pretty much asks Kara to come in, who Blees, of course, hasn't met yet. So he asks Supergirl to come in to pretty much make sure that uh, Blees stays still, doesn't go anywhere. Blees kind of First, she just kind of figures out, you know, how is she going to stop me until she like kind of like pushes her and realizes, well, she's not going anywhere. Guy kind of makes and points out that she's Kryptonian. They don't come any tougher than she is. Um, Blees and Kara pretty much go off to talk because Kara's got questions. If for no other reason, Kara kind of wants to bond with another Red Lantern since she's the only female Red Lantern other than herself. We cut back. We cut back to Pramine, where we see the body in the, the seemingly dead body of Shiko floating in the water after she'd been dumped. Her her desire for justice is still there, but but she's she kind of regrets well not so much regrets, but she, she as she's still barely alive, she's kind of pondering you know that she was a fool to kind of believe in the system the way it was and everything else. So she's angry. You know, her life, her work, her hopes, her world is lost. And at that point, a red ring finds her because of the anger in her heart. Uh, Parthu, but in the process of taking the, pr- the handcuffs off the prince, and we have a pretty cool-looking badass Red Lantern, uh, Shiku. She, she, she shows up. And she pretty much points out that you know, I see you both. I see, I see you both. The things you want to keep hidden. She judges them guilty and pretty much just just obliterates them. She then she turns her attention to the the onlookers and the who are watching the trial, and and you watchers, the do nothings. Are you any better? Doubt is gone. Pain is gone. They are burned away, replaced by rage. And she removes her judge's hood and has this really uh really. Scary looking face, actually. Um, not that she was a looker to begin with before, but she's certainly not a looker now. And now she's prepared to basically use her red power as a red lantern now to to judge judge the guilty. We switch back to 
Yzmalt on the ship while Zox is trying to basically do what Guy has instructed him to do, to do the scan for the ring. You got Skalox pretty much saying, well, you know, we could kind of just uh, go back and join Atrocitus. He probably would accept us. You know, they kind of hate to do it because, you know, but, you know, it's better to be alive with Atrocitus than buried with Gardner. And Skalix kind of stands up for Guy and just for the, I guess, the new principles, if you will, of where the Red Lanterns have been going and points out that I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. You know, it's time for you to pretty much figure out who the hell you are and stand up for something. I mean, you need to have enough convictions to fight for something you care about. As they're having the exchange, uh, Skalix, excuse me, Zox uh, uses his ring to fire up the scanner, which would, and he, we get a resounding boom, he says, as he pu- puts his hand into the uh, scanner, which indicates, I found something. So then before we find out what he found, we cut back to Kara and Blaze chit-chatting. And they're having a conversation about rage, whether it's, you know, the why do Red Lanterns even exist? And Blaze throws out the very interesting concept that we kind of exist to make sure there are no more Red Lanterns, which is something probably worth discussing as a concept. Kara kind of makes the overture that, you know, you know you're the only other female here and I kind of would like to have a friend and you think we could be friends. And Blaze kind of says, sure, that'd be great. Uh, they call Garden, Skalix and uh, and Zox call Guy up to the bridge. They they see the huge power reading, a huge you know red power reading on the scale. And he goes, "What happened? Did all those red rings end up on one planet?" And Skalix kind of points out, "That's only one ring." They end up in Sector Seven Seven Five. All the Red Lanterns, except for uh, <clears throat> except for Zox, including Blaze. Or in space, they they arrive on on the surface of Pramine. They see the capital pretty much is burning to the ground. The citizens of Pramine first attack the Red Lanterns, seeing basically thinking that they've come to to help continue the carnage that already began. Guy kind of points out like, "Hey, you know, you just gave us, you just attacked us for no reason. You pretty much didn't do anything to us. Uh, you, you know, you we you could." talk to us and tell us what's going on or we could we could pretty much wipe you out you know he goes okay we'll talk and they kind of point out about the judge and how she's tearing them apart and then she, she talks about how there was only one but then they mentioned we can't stop them our strongest weapons weapons don't slow them down and then guy goes wait did you say them and it goes yes first it was just the judge but then the other arrived the other two arrived the red one the one with the teeth and the little blue furry creature and Guy's going, oh, no, Atrocitus. And then we cut to Atrocitus sitting there with his arms crossed with Dexter watching the judge just pretty much rip everything to hell. And he goes, why, look at that, Dexter. And Atrocitus, after Dexter asks who it is, he goes, I don't know, but I have a feeling we're about to become very good friends. And that ends Chapter 1 of Judgment Day and Red Lantern 30. I wish they'd be a little more consistent with the Red Lanterns. As in what their powers or the new the new lanterns they're supposed to be mindless, so why do we keep getting lanterns who aren't mindless when they are made? Like Shaco. Yeah, she's not entirely mindless. That is true. She's talking very yep. clearly and everything. Maybe maybe, that's, maybe they're going to tie something in to do with the water. 
Maybe it has to do more. Maybe maybe we're gonna find out it as just as much. It's well, the Blood Lake is obviously the best. Maybe maybe something to do with liquid in general. Something has some kind of effect on Red Lanterns. I don't know. They are in a kind of water city or water world. It's kind of um, important to their society. So, but yes, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, that is an inconsistency. But I like the character though. She was pretty cool. Yeah. It's a cool backstory. A good issue. I like it. I did too. I thought it was a very, I thought I thought it was a very good issue, and I think pretty much, I think almost I think everything kind of worked in this issue. I think everything they, I thought they the the background, the background to the judge there was was, was pretty damn cool. I liked the the, the relationship that was potentially building between, Blaze and Kara. I kind of liked the. Uh, you know, the guy making the point about how, you know, how we, you know, the rings, we have to deal with the rings. You know, we have to kind of deal with the rings first, and then we can go, you know, deal with Rancor, rescue Rancor. Um, I like the little conversation between Zox and Skellox there going about, you know, how one's ready to pretty much jump ship at the first sign of trouble, and Zox is kind of... As, as was pointed out in the last issue with Superman, he's a, he's a ball he's a ballsy little thing, <laughs> in more ways than one. And that he's that he has pretty much he's in Guy's camp, and he at least believes, if nothing else, that you got to have you got to stand for something. You got to you have to be willing to stand and hold your ground for something, not just keep flipping sides when it's when it's convenient. Mm. So I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if I'm as happy with Chapter Two of this boat being in Supergirl, but. Yeah. Do what do you think? I'm not sure if it's something. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm just not. I'm not sure if it's one of those parts that you you know you actually have to you know if you miss it it's gonna completely mess up the next the conclusion or whether it's more or less gonna be one of those things where it's there's kind of a story in it but if you go back and just get part three the next issue of Red Lanterns you're really not gonna miss anything critical. But I might have to pick that issue up just or at least flip flip through it if nothing else to to see if it's if it's worth. Because I like, I do like the story, and I do kind of like where they're heading with the, you know, with the showdown with Atrocitus. And... Yeah. Do you think that um, Blees is starting to go the way of Ratchet? Possibly. Because she says, "No, Kara, they are just afraid. They aren't our, they aren't our enemies yet." Like she's abstaining from violence and being smart and thinking about it. Well, I mean, I don't know if 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 she's really going the way of Ratchet because they're now they're all, you know, they're. You know, they have personalities and they're making sense and they're thinking logically and they're not all just mindless idiots. So I, I guess it's possible that she's still got as much rage as anybody else. But I don't know that that one line. I was kind of like, Blaze just said that somebody just attacked yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely kind of at least doing some kind of like a kinder, gentler Blaze. <laughs> yeah. But in a way, we've kind of seen. But in a way, that's being consistent from the point of view that we're seeing kind of other. We're kind of seeing a kinder, gentler. The aspect of all, almost all of them at this point, that they all have, because now they all have personalities and it, and they still have rage within them clearly. But it's not like, you know, it's not like they're just, just it's oozing out of them all the time. So, but I did like that line about you know you know we exist to make sure there are no more red lanterns. I thought that was kind of interesting. What do you think of yeah that 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 we exist for no more red lanterns that's i mean it's interesting but do you agree with it 
from a philosophical point of view, it would make sense because now we certainly are supposed to buy into that the idea is it's kind of like uh, righteous rage, if you will, that they're, they're that they're that they're supposed to they're basically they're supposed to punish punish the guilty, not just rage against anyone, and and that they're trying to look out for the look out for people that have been wrong. So if they can and especially now that they got a sector themselves to actually protect and to patrol, that if they actually do their job correctly, that, that then they wouldn't be any more then there wouldn't be any more need for red lanterns, nor would there be as many candidates because there wouldn't be as much you know blind rage out there. So if they succeed, then they, they wouldn't then they wouldn't need to, need to be any more red lanterns. True. So so I so I I think I. I do kind of a th- I think if it's if it's pretty deep point I kind of th- and I do kind of think it's it's kind of an inter- it's an interesting idea. The book's just I mean the book is just a lot of fun to read these days. Yes, yeah, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. Um I wonder if there's a way that at some point they can just get a red lantern a spare red lantern power battery and just hook it up to the ship so it's always in, you know, red lantern mode although it's kind of cool to have a ship and then for 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 visual effect, you know what I mean. It's almost like um, right. like inside Tony Stark's helmet in the Iron Man movie and Avengers movies, when you know he you know he's flying around doing stuff, and then when he's in battle, the whole thing changes to like a red display. It's it's right. a visual cue to let you know you know oh shit things have just hit the fan. So it's kind of the same thing here. You know they're flying around in their ship, and when their ship goes red, oh crap, it's battle time. Um. But, you know, every time that they, they do that, Zox has to stick his arm in the, the charger thing and kind of keep it there <laughs> to, to channel his <laughs> yeah. power through the ship to, to keep it in that mode. Well, why not just hook up a, a battery and have the, the ship run on that? That's true. That's a good point. Well, plus, I mean, plus every time Zox has to stay with the ship. So I guess tactically it still makes sense. You know, the, the a team goes down and... They've got a warship flying overhead that Zox can back them up from orbit if need be, but still. Indeed, but a good issue. Yeah, definitely, really good. A very, a very good issue. Cool new Red Lantern. Be interesting to see how. Basically, basically, who's who's who gets who's going to succeed in getting custody of her if either of the group is going to. <laughs> All right, uh, New Guardians. New Guardians. Sweet. Okay, New Guardians number thirty. God Killers Triumphant uh, by Justin Jordan, Brad Walker, and crew. So we open up on the planet Kalosa, and uh, the God Killers are killing Zal, and uh, freaks, uh, Colander freaks out as Kyle calls her. I, I guess he, can't, he has to shorten everybody's name. Uh, Kala. <laughs> Uh, they start fighting with each other. The God Killer's like, "Well, we're doing what we're going to do. I'm assuming you're going to do what you're going to do. So kill them." Um, so the Guardians and Carol and Kyle start fighting the God Killers, and the Kyle's talking about how they need to get them off planet. Um, and Kyle is freaking out and sh- about her goddess, and um, Zal is back. Uh, she didn't die. Um, she freaks out and starts, you know, going up against the rest of the God Killers. And the God Killer's like, no, we got a backup plan. Um, our weapons can kill anything that lives. 
which is a little revelation we got uh, now. But can you reach out, feel your people? So the God Killers are all over the place. Um, I, I believe every world that Zal is quote unquote liberated and or, or become the god of, and she, they, if you don't stand down, if you don't die, we're gonna kill every single one of them. Um, and Kyle flies up from behind and gets knocked senseless. Um, and he's like, "Kill yourself, Saul. Destroy yourself." And 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 those you claim to love will live. And she says, "Well, here's my counteroffer: die." <laughs> and just starts going ape shit. Um, the guardians try and contain her energy, kind of like, kind of like um, the Fantastic Four movie, <laughs> you know, when Johnny's going like all sun hot, and you know Sue contains the storm and everything, uh, and funnels it up, up and out to immobilize doom that same thing happens here supernova baby yeah go supernova baby flame on um <laughs> so zal uh, the guardians are containing her flame and shooting it up and out as zal's kind of expending all of her energy kala goes up against the god killer <sighs> i'll edit that out god i couldn't do it anymore um <clears throat> <laughs> uh leave it in and add character <laughs> And this is where we lost Chad. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody. Um, and I even took like a four-hour nap earlier. Um, so, anyways, uh, Calendar uh, Kala goes up against the the God Killer, and he spears her th- through the heart. And Kyle goes and tries to use the blue light to keep her alive. And then she dies, and Kyle goes all red mode, and uh, Carol kind of you know holds him back. And not only is he feeding on his own rage, his because he's tapping into the red, he's fe- uh, feeding and fueling himself off of the rage of Zal as well. The Guardians, one of one of the one of the Guardians uh, is freaking out. We 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 can either contain Zal or fight the the God Killers. We can't do both. Um, so. Carol has a plan, and she basically they're going to tap into the love of the that the God Killer feels for his people. She her ring can find out where every single one is, and basically she he Kyle grabs Carol's hand, taps into the love that Carol can feel and the, her power. She finds every single one of the God Killer's people, and he taps into compassion and teleports. Every single god killer throughout the universe, every single member of this race, all to the same place outside of their armor. And all the armor thumps down to the ground, and Kyle falls down and is dying and exhausted. Um, And uh, Zal's power is subsiding because there's nobody to fight. She notices Akala's dead and freaks out and says, you'll tell me where you sent them. No, we're not. Uh you've got to be more uh, Kyle I'm sorry but this cannot happen again and I don't, I don't know she teleports away I guess I don't know what happens there in that panel she either teleports away or burns herself up or or something I don't know what happened there the the guardians are stabilizing Kyle's body so he comes back in conscious uh, and the guardians start talking about what you just did should not have been possible 
at all, it might be time for you to start realizing what you are becoming basically a god. And the, and the epilogue back on Elpis, which is the former home of the Blue Lantern Corps, new home of the god killers. This we see where, where Kyle has transported all of them outside of their armor. So they're going to rebuild and, and uh, rise <laughs> and they will return. So that is that. It was interesting. I just enjoyed it because of the fact that Kyle goes and does crazy impossible things. I was every time Kyle just like exceeds the amount of power somebody should have with you know ring A, B or C, you know, no matter what no matter what power he's wielding, it just always gives, you know, in the back of my mind a callback to that original Ion story where he was basically a god anyways. And I like the fact that they're playing, kind of toying with that concept again that Kyle is a god, essentially, or on his way to becoming one. Unless he has to face Sinestro again. Because <laughs> then we know he's getting his ass kicked again. An alley rat? Uh, yes. Hmm. What did you think? I thought the... I thought... I liked it. I don't know if I liked it better than the other parts in this in the storyline um there are some t- there were some parts of it that i i liked it was very in a way it was kind of with all the action it also was kind of wordy too yeah it's true um but i like the end because i i think it's because it kind of raises the specter of what's going to happen because they they end up back in the blue lantern planet what's you know the most recent blue lantern planet and they kind of make the point of saying you know you know, we did not just take our weapons from the gods. We took their craft, their skill. And, you know, what we, what we, will we do? We will rebuild. We will rise. And it's just the fact that pretty much every everything that's – all the fragments kind of, they're looking at pretty much are remnants of the blue power battery, correct? Mm-hmm. So the question is how exactly – how are they going to take their skill and their knowledge and, and do – and somehow is it just going to be – Basically, just going to make it armor. Or are we you know, I, the way I took it? That somehow something bad is going to be <laughs> something bad is going to happen <laughs> from what's left of the Blue Lantern power battery, and what that? How is that going to? You know what that's going to mean down the road. So of all, it's kind of interesting of all places that he's that he sent them to Elpis. I can tell you. Maybe he didn't have much time to think about it. I can tell you what it'll mean: the return of Saint Walker. Got to deal with them. Yeah, if I mean, if they build their power off the remnants of the blue power battery, who else is going to stop them? That's a good point. I have a feeling that's what that means. Well, I don't know. Maybe it depends on how fast the God Killers come back. But you're you are correct. But you're still probably you're still probably correct that eventually that'll be a storyline that where Saint Walker comes comes into play. Um, he probably will. We'll probably see him first back in action in Green Lantern, since that's the book that they're focusing on. True where he's, his only real appearances are. But probably you were correct that, <clears throat> who knows, maybe maybe Elpis will be the once-in-future home of the Blue Lanterns. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll sense what's going on there, and eventually the, he'll reclaim what's what's rightfully theirs. True. And then Black Lantern Warth can kick their asses. <laughs> what do you think happened to, to Zal? Uh, let, me take, let me see if I can look at that panel up close. Um, I'm trying to see. It's hard to really make out what she's doing, which probably is on purpose, of course. But I'm just trying to see. I don't necessarily. I think the way you described it is accurate. It's either pretty much one or two things. Either she just went away, or, or she, or we're supposed to think 
that she kind of like, you know, kind of killed herself. But we we know either way, the, the odds are she didn't. So it really doesn't matter does it? <laughs> at that level. She's, I'm sure she'll be back. I don't necessarily know if we're 100 percent. The way the dialogue is written, and it's not like it's you know, the way it appears, any exclamation points, any punctuation, the way it's punctuated. I don't know if we're really supposed to take that she killed herself. You could, but I don't think that's what I don't necessarily know if we're, what, we're 100% supposed to think that. I think it's supposed to be kind of ambiguous there. So I guess we'll, I guess Vivo find out. <laughs> Do you think the Guardians are going to start getting to the point where they become like their predecessors? As in being shitty? <laughs> yeah. Eh, I don't know. You you would suspect at some point, maybe, but it would, it's probably going to take a while. I think I think I think you might see like fractions or fractures, I should say, and factions. Um, that maybe you're going to see some of them starts kind of migrating towards that kind of approach kind of like everything's at just too much disorder in the universe and we kind of we need to use our power and kind of bring it into line and it's going to be others who are going to resist i don't know i i would like to think we're not going to see that anytime soon i think it'd be a little it'd be way too soon after everything we've we're built you know we saw build up you know storyline after storyline until war of the green land i mean until uh wrath of the first lantern that I think would be way too soon to do that. But yes, probably if they stay around long enough, the odds are there's got to be at least a, a couple of them that are going to go off in that direction. Yeah, because there's something in here. I can't. I gotta find it. But there's something in here that it it kind of crossed my mind that it would it would happen or could happen. And I gotta I gotta find where where it is. Okay, here when the when the when Palco says, "Are you?" Are you enjoying this, Zala? And she says, of course not, Palco. What kind of guardian would I be if I enjoyed smashing these zealots to the ground? When I, when I first read that, I was like thinking, you know, that's a little bit of comedy. But I was wondering, I wonder if that was like a sincere question from Palco. Like he was enjoying it. And was wondering if his sister was enjoying it too. You know what I mean? Right. Like if I... I, I... I think you could. You, I think you could be. You, you could be correct. Like just because the way that, that. the way that looks, are you dot dot dot? Are you enjoying this, Zala? Like he is, and he's not sure. Though, though, you could also interpret that he is. He is watching her, and and he's thinking that she's enjoying it. Either way, so it's could, bad for one of them. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, I'm. I'm. Yeah, the basic. The basic uh, conclusion or concern is 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 there and valid regardless of the interpretation but yes i think those are the only there's only two real ways to take that either either you are either the first way that he's enjoying it and he's wondering if she is or he's kind of startled by watching her and he's kind of thinking that she's enjoying it and he's concerned and that's why he's asking her yeah but of course her answer is so straightforward and quickly that you know it comes out so quickly that no no i'm not but it's kind of, but like, like you said, the, the choice of language could also, you know, could kind of in, make it sound like, no, of course I'm not enjoying kicking the living crap out of these idiots. <laughs> True. Yeah, I just, I, I, I saw that and I was like, that's, that's something. I don't know what's going on there. Thought I'd ask. All right. Um, anything else you want to say about this issue? It was a good story arc. It was pretty well contained. Three issues. Uh, 
unlike some of the other books. <laughs> At least with Red and New Guardians, we're getting relatively short, contained arcs. Um, I would say, though, as a, as a whole, there were really good issues this month. This is certainly one of the better months, I think, from top to bottom that we reviewed, I think, since certainly since Lights Out has ended. I think this is one of the, if not the best overall month, that certainly has to rank up there from top to bottom with all four of these issues. True. Yeah, this week it's probably Red Lanterns and New Guardians for sure. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I would still. I would definitely still put yes, Red and New Guardians, and probably in the order you said. I think Red Lanterns was probably the most solid book of the other other month. Uh, and actually, if you included Sinestro in with this month's books, it'd be a really nice one, one through five. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was a good crop. Uh, the thirty-one issues start coming out. As we as we record, they will come out tomorrow on Wednesday with Green Lantern 31. So, which was to be the first part of Uprising. So, I'll be curious to see if the little the momentum that though that that book and core has. Let's see if it can keep keep it going now. And we'll also see what New Guardians. The next issue of New Guardians obviously follows up after the annual, which we'll be dealing with relatively shortly. I think that the New Guardians annual basically is a bridge between issue 30 into 31 so so it should be good i mean i think i'm still more interested in where the reds and the new guardians are going especially since we know we still have at least what three issues each of core and green lantern before we end before we end uh uprising yeah so all right well that's that's the reviews for this time around uh we'll do some uh, listener feedback and then a bit of news and then we'll uh head on out um, so we're just kind of spitballing, uh, on when the last time we did uh, listener feedback, uh, was as far as Facebook and Twitter is concerned. There, uh, there are no new emails or voicemails. So get on that guys. We need some, we need, we need some, uh, voicemails and emails and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, over on Facebook, um, we're just going to talk about, the uh, the sorry starting with the Black Lantern power battery. Thanks to everybody who was talking uh, about that over there. Sean and Scott and Mark and Jim. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So that was solicited what for release in October. Oh, uh, is it October? I think so. Yeah. Which is interesting because you would assume, as far as new batteries go, that that's pretty much going to be. I guess there's still a chance we may have another bat- battery solicited in the actual calendar year of 2014, but pretty much you know we're not going to be getting another one at this stage. Considering how they're spacing them out, it seems like they pretty much are going to, pretty much have determined that they're going to release the last two next year, kind of stretch it out a tad. And since Sapphire, technically what? Sapphire did come out this year, right? I think, technically. I think the Sapphire one did come out this year, because last year we had green, yellow, orange, and blue. So this year we'll have Sapphire... We'll have sapphire, white, and black. So they're kind of they're kind of working working their way through. It's kind of cool. I like the I like the order that they're going in. It would have been real easy to just keep throwing out ones that we've had before. So it would have been real. I'm kind of I'm pleasantly surprised that the, that we haven't gotten the red up to this point. The red's now clearly going going to be one of the last two batteries they do. I have a feeling it'll be the next one. I still think they're going to do indigo last, regardless of whether they make it a staff or not. I think they're still going to do indigo probably last um so i can't so i like the order 
it's good that we're getting the white and the black this year. That's pretty cool. And also, along with the red, I mean, excuse me, the black battery, which is brand new, they've, they've re-solicited pretty much almost all the older batteries although in this wave, in this series, I should say. Yeah. Starting, so on, as we speak, and this will be out, I mean, depending when this comes out, but be, between now and the end of May, anyway, if you go to DCBS, you pretty much can pre, you can order the, pre-order the black, but you can also reorder, basically. A, you have another opportunity to order the green, the sapphire, the blue, the yellow and the orange. The only one I don't think they have relisted is the white. I don't think the white's been re- is relisted because it was just pre-ordered not that long ago. But pretty much all the batteries that came out last year or were solicited last year, you have a, sec- you have a ch- second chance to get now. And at DCBS, I think they're only like 138. I think it's like 138 and change, I believe. Uh, or 130, 136 or 138, I can double check as we're speaking. But uh, either way, it's a, it's around $138 and change plus minimal shipping. And you could get pretty much a bunch of the power batteries if you either have missed one or you were kind of wish you had ordered one before and but you didn't pull the trigger. Now you can get one for a really good price without having to worry about finding, a, hoping you get super lucky on, on eBay. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I want a green one. That's about it. I don't. I, I can't see myself getting any any more than that. Because um, if I if I got anything other than than if I got green and then got another one, then that's just that that's it. That's the that's the floodgate opening. I have to get them all. Like even if I got like oh blue, I really want a blue one because I I do like the blue lanterns and everything. Then I just go. Well, see now I got the green and the blue, and the the blue's not going to look right without the yellow on the other side. But then I don't want yellow and green and blue. I want something else over there. So yeah, the orange orange lanterns are cool. <laughs> oh wait, no, now it's uneven. <laughs> <laughs> so it would it would just be a slippery slope. So if I were to get one, I'd only get green. Um, it's it's the it's the yellow one that got me back. I mean. I just, when they first came out, I wasn't going to get the green because I still had, you know, I still had the Hal Jordan one that came out in the late nineties. And I liked, and I wasn't entirely sure if I liked the idea that, that they were, yeah, they're, they're much, they're much less expensive because they're not, you know, metallic anymore and they're more plasticky, but I didn't think, well, I already have a green. I don't necessarily know if I want one. So I just, I didn't order the green one when it was first solicited, but I ordered the yellow. I kind of liked the yellow, you know. So that made me want to get the green. So then I went back and I had a, a pretty decent auction. There was a decent auction on eBay. So I had the green. And I already knew, and I think I already had the orange. And I'm not sure if the blue was pre-ordered yet or not, but I knew I already had the orange, you know, pre-ordered because of course I, the orange is cool. And you, you know, the ones that you never had before, I knew I was going to get those. The only thing I'm, the only thing, and I'm still debating right now, is whether now that they're giving us another opportunity to get some of these batteries, whether I want the Sapphire one just to make sure I have the complete set because I never – that's the only one I haven't I haven't gotten to this point, though I did have a really good – there was a really nice auction like about two – somewhere around Christmas time, I think there was a nice auction that ended up – I got sniped in you know, at the very last second, and it still was a good price, not as good as when it started. I think it was like, like 90 – like under, I was under a hundred dollars when it started with, with like free shipping. I think it was free shipping, but either way, it was, it was really good price to start with. So I, I bid on that just because it was even cheaper than DCBS price. And my last bid still would have been cheaper than DCBS, but I had an opportunity to go back in, but 
you know, for like five or six seconds left, but I was only bidding because it was cheaper. You know, I don't know if I wanted to pay more in, the, you know, the DCBS price, I would have just pre-ordered it. But now I'm leaning towards probably getting it just so I know I'll have the complete set and not have to run around and try to track down that one battery if I decide I want it later on. Since I know I'll be getting all the others in the series, I might as well just get the Sapphire one just so at least I have the set. Uh, and speaking of other stuff you spend your money on, Lantern-related, uh, it also came out, they released the images for the Blue Lantern Kira Clicks, and thanks to Scott and Chris and... Uh, Robert and Lance and Juan and Chad and Kay and Adam and Neil and Lloyd and Ryan and Dwayne, who are all very excited about that. Um, and, you know, there was another guy somewhere. I can't remember his name. I was very, very excited about that. Uh, and they also they also um, showed the images for the Red Lantern Hero Click set. So, uh, you know, Ryan, Nick, Chris, Scott, uh, and, and more all very excited about those so uh go ahead mark <laughs> have a heart attack <laughs> no so yeah so so far yeah they showed what they showed yellow they showed red they showed blue they showed they showed green right yeah, yeah they showed green so so far so we so far we you know we haven't seen we haven't seen indigo we haven't seen uh well i guess we really, Laura Fleas is pretty much, we know we know what to expect, even though they probably will have the constructs. They'll have the avatars. So, yeah, they, they are pretty, they are pretty impressive. I mean, getting, getting all of them is going to be so difficult. Even just getting the ones you want from each core. I mean, they have the, enti- they have the entities. I mean, they even have, they're kind of cheating a little. They kind of have, they had, you know, Red Lantern Spectre, though he was not really a Red Lantern, but he was kind of like a borderline Red Lantern for like three seconds when Atrocitus thought he was the Red, you know, when he thought that was the Red Entity, not the Butcher in Blackest Night, or in the, you know, Green Lantern issues of Blackest Night. That, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I don't play Hero Clicks, but I do collect, and they are nice. They are really nice figures, and, you know, I'm going to try to get as many as I can within reason of those, and... It's pretty. It's it's pretty cool. I think it's a. It's been a while since we've had something really super, lantern specific. Like in a, especially since Green Lantern's not nearly as in as it was a few years ago. So they have kind of like revisiting uh, the glory days, if you will, because this, because the War of the Light, which is what all these, uh, where these booster packs and this store and this storyline of Hero Clicks is the War of the Light. So it's gonna that's gonna cover a lot of storylines. It's gonna cover Agent Orange. It's gonna cover Rage of the Red Lanterns, Blackest Night. Um, just you know, just off the top of my head, those are the ones that you do that absolutely it covers. It's in Sinestro Core War. So it's gonna there should be some really cool figures in there. So it, from a even from a collectible point of view, that's gonna be pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I'll just say here. I'll just read it off of what I put on Facebook. My thoughts. It's hard for me to get too excited for these for one very important reason. They're like photos of the food on the menu at fast food at a fast food restaurant. The fries can look all golden and hot, all jutting up in ascending order of size straight out of the box. But the reality is there always there will be some overcooked ones, some soggy ones, some laying sideways, some on the bottom of the tray, and the box will probably have grease stains on it. Same with hero clicks. Sure, the ones in the image look great for such tiny figures. But we've all seen Hero Clicks in the past, and they look nothing like their pictures. 
let's face it, they're not going to put out an image of the worst paint jobs. They're going to pick and pick the best and to to sell the most. That's all there is to it. I can't, I just can't justify spending that much on a complete set when I know half of them will look half melted. Don't mean to put a damper on the excitement. Just being realistic. Look! Look what you did, man. You, you just rained in everyone's parade, man. <laughs> it's it's true though. I mean, that you're you're working with plastic uh, on a very 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 tiny scale, but mass producing it. It's not. They're not all going to look great. Oh no! There's oh there's 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 always going to be things that go you know that are. Like in everything else, it's, even like, as we've talked about before, even with the even with the uh, the lead figurines, mm-hmm. that that sometimes the paint job is you know comes out looking like <laughs> you get like my same my same Walker, whose half his face looks like uh, the Hound from from Game of Thrones, because it's like half his face is like <laughs> it's like thanks a lot, you ru- you you ruined the most noble character in the universe, and you gave and you gave him a screwed up face. But yeah, but they'll they can still do a good job because even even with the uh, even with soldiers around that scale, like the HO scale of plastic soldiers and stuff that I used, I, they don't make as many any, anymore. But I used to have tons of the Airfix ones when I was a kid, and they were pretty. They had some pretty good detail on them, considering that they were they were small. So, but yeah, the, but you were correct. The paint the the paint jobs and things like that. That's going. That's where the that's where it's going to be hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, also posted on uh, May first. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows. I I, I kind of take it for granted that the things I know everybody else knows. There's a YouTube channel called How It Should Have Ended, and it's fantastic. Um, but they did a video for How It Should Have Ended for the Lego Movie, and there there was like kind of a a, a a thing where Superman's talking about how the superheroes were portrayed very badly. In that movie, and and not all up to their potential. And Green Lantern walks by the window and is like, "Yeah, totally. Yeah, not at all." And and Superman and Batman are just like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> and and I posted that and said, "It's official, y'all. Green Lantern is the new Aquaman." And Paul and uh, Sean and uh, Mike Dowd and uh, it seems Mark had something to say about that. Um, and then uh, Mark rebutted with an article from moviecricket.com about Chris Pine being considered for Green Lantern in the Justice League, and Adam and Sean and Meg uh, chimed in on that. Which would be cool if true. If, you know, who the hell knows? I mean, Lord knows we have heard enough rumors about different actors being considered for this, that, related to the Batman-Superman movie, which is going to be a basically kickoff to the Justice League movie. Um but it is kind of interesting that they, pretty much, at least for whether they're going to be cameos or not, most so many of the major characters so far, not all, but so many of the major characters for Justice League have already you know, been assigned an actor. And we really haven't heard much related to Green Lantern. Of course, we know the speculation kind of has been that it's going to be going to – that they've been probably leaning towards Jon Stewart, which at least is the rumor. I mean, I hope that's not true. And we kind of debated, you know, the only way – from a just from a diversity point of view, it was it was probably always gonna lean towards John Stewart, especially because of how the Green Lantern film was received. At least now that we have Cyborg in there, they they, they do have a they could justify it more if they want to stick with Hal. And as far as I'm concerned, they should stick with Hal because if you're starting you know if you're starting the Justice League, Hal should be 
you know, one of the start one of the ch- charter members of the Justice League. I mean, come on. So, but if they did Chris Pine, that would be to me that would be fine because I thought Chris Pine all along would have made a good Hal Jordan. He and Chris Evans, I thought both had potential to be a great Hal Jordan. And Chris Evans was off the board already at that point because I think he had already finally agreed to cap, even though he kept kind of hedging his bets about that because he didn't want to be tied down for a while. But obviously he. Re- now, now, now he's glad that he that he did make that decision because he would have probably kicked himself in the ass if he actually did not sign on for Cap. Now, the way things have turned out, but I think Chris Pine would be a good would be a good Hal Jordan. I think he would, and I think he would. That would be a good way to go, and, and getting a a a bigger name, a, a name that certainly has, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, honestly, he's got more respect as far as from his as far as acting ability and his ability to at least do serious roles with some humor in them but some but serious roles ryan reynolds can act despite what some people think but most people don't see him that way and that i don't think that and whether he can actually carry a movie on his own is still question is, is questionable because he's always been a co-star or a second banana really for when, for when it comes to movies that have been big hits that he's very rarely been a it's hard to trace that many movies of any that he's been a the main draw to usually he's the second he's the co-star so Chris Pine would certainly be a big name. So I, I, I hope that there's at least some truth to that. And But I guess we'll be finding everything out soon since do you think whatever whoever else they're going to cast for the Justice League, you think they, we're going to find out soon, at least if they're going to appear in Batman Superman on some level. You'd think that we would know everybody soon. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing we were talking about over on the Facebook page uh, you posted a review of Sinestro, well, kind of review of uh, Sinestro number one. You want to talk about that? Well, I'd, I'd like to talk about it, but I don't want to get, I don't want to interfere too much in what we're going to be talking about yeah. soon because we are going to be dealing with that. Uh, just in basic terms, even without looking at what I wrote, just off the top of my head, it was a good. I think I, I think we both, because you and I have talked about this, it was a real, it was a good issue. Uh, we're going to go into more specifics when we review it, but it, it I think they set up a realistic and believable way to get Sinestro back into the game from where he was, which was still in the mindset that you know he was basically didn't really belong in the universe anymore, that he had no intention of being an active participant in the universe anymore, that giving him, giving him a reason to get back into the game and then having to effectively put the band back together and start looking for the Sinestro Corps and then not only to look for them, but when, when you find them, you got to get them on board to your mission. And that includes dealing with Arkillo, who is going to be not necessarily receptive since he's still got a lot of animosity, kind of like being left on his own and betrayed or feelings of being betrayed, which Sinestro, one of the things about the book, which is interesting is you get to Sinestro's thoughts and you get into his mind which we very seldom have ever really gotten in the comic book that you get to delve into his his perspective on things and that regardless of you know what's going to happen between him, him and Arkillo he kind of respects Arkillo and he it's in a way just the idea that Ar- it would make sense that Arkillo would feel that way because Arkillo was the, you know was basically the most loyal sol- the most loyal soldier that he had so of course based on the way things kind of shook out and shook down um, from him from uh, him being switching to back to a, being a Green Lantern for a while, that all that was going to have a big effect on on Sinestro. So, yeah. but it was. I think it was a good issue. And again, I don't want to go throw out too much now because it'll take away from when we do the issue review. But yeah. I thought it was worth touching upon because it certainly was one of the better books of the month, and it certainly raises hope that 
which is ironic. Hope raises hope for a book based on fear that uh, raises hope that this could be one of the better Lantern books that we have on a monthly basis if it continues to build off the momentum of the first book. Yeah, definitely a good good, good issue. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, us being able to cover it on the show at some point. Me too. Should be fun. Yeah. Uh, switching over to Twitter, uh, and then we'll combine one Twitter post and one Facebook post at the end here. Uh, Scott asks, are you guys reviewing Smallville uh, Season 11 Lantern number one? Do it! Uh, I said, probably not in the way you think. And he says, interesting. Sounds like a riddle. Um, I basically told him that, and I'll just say, well, since GL will be appearing randomly in so many titles, we'll probably just do website blog-style reviews of those issues. And I said, if we attempt to do actual review episodes of all that stuff, we'll never get to the topics we want to do. Uh, yeah, Green Lantern is taking a center stage in uh, a few different types of stories and coming out in his own series, and we still have to get to the Larflee stuff and so on and so forth. So uh, we we can't do it all on the ep- on on the on the air. So we'll probably just delegate that smaller stuff to blog posts or or something. Uh, Floto uh, was talking about uh, our thoughts on the on the on Relic and how about. The, the, con- the conversation on permanent city constructs and saw this from uh, this one panel from Green Lantern 99 where uh, Ganthet says, no, the ring's creations are constructed of light energy. They'll remain coherent as long as you concentrate on them. Creating something of permanence is possible but considerably more difficult. Which I think we touched upon. Yes, we did. When we were talking about the... Which is ironic because that was another that's another issue or another storyline that you and I have or at least I threw out there that maybe we'll revisit onto itself. Um, like when Kyle goes into the future with the Legion. Yeah. Um, that that was a uh, but good old Carrie Wren who was an interesting character who we've never seen since. <laughs> but. And I posted a uh, tweet out for Robert Venditti. I said, when Hal transmits his message to the universe, does this mean everyone on Earth knows Hal is Green Lantern? And Robert Venditti replied and says, if they have a space radio. And I said, so the potential for these stories is there, but by and large, Earth tech is mostly too primitive. And Robert Venditti replied and said, I'd say that's accurate. So you should follow us on Twitter, guys, because we're talking with the creators over there live. (laughs) Um, Thanks to Andy and Scott, Flodo, additionally, uh, Dwayne. And John and Christo and Luke and uh, and um, Devin, Taylor and uh, Gryphon for uh, you know all the follows and retweets and and everything. So uh, really appreciate that. Uh, we're getting close to the 200 mark, I believe. If not, we're already there. I'll double check uh, in just a second. Um, uh, Dwayne was talking and kind of joined in on the Venditti talk and was asking if Hal's identity was secret. He thought it was like John and Guy. It's it's not. Uh, it's the only people who, in canon, uh, at least in the New 52, who know that Hal is GL, besides, you know, family and teammates and stuff, is the government. It's, it's not necessarily, it, it, it's knowledge to, like, Amanda Waller in them, but not but not to the, the, the public itself. Um, <laughs> I should never underestimate the power of a domino mask. Um <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, uh, Dwayne was talking about the issue we just reviewed of Red Lanterns. The scene between Karen Blees and the last Red Lantern issue changed the way I look at the book. Uh, Scott said it was a great scene. Dwayne said, am I the only one having trouble downloading the latest episodes? 
something Scott said, you announced that there was a new episode out on Tuesday. How is it not on iTunes yet? Can't wait to listen. Um, and uh, I spent an hour uninstalling, reinstalling my podcast app out of frustration. I need my GL cast. And then over on Facebook, you know, people were talking about how they were having trouble downloading uh, episode 179 and 180. We're aware of the problem, guys, and hopefully by this, the time you hear this particular episode, it's been fixed. Uh, it better have been fixed by now um, in some way, shape, or form. But we have no idea. No idea why they're not showing up. Like with 179, it didn't download into my feed automatically. So I went into iTunes and saw it, like the actual iTunes store itself to see if it showed up there. And it did. So I just hit, you know, the download button for that particular episode. And it worked that way. But since I posted 180, it's not, they're not showing up. It's not even showing up in the store. The code all seems correct. Jim's taking a look at it. It all seems okay there. So we're look. I'm uh, I'm looking into it. We're gonna see what we can do about it and try and get it resolved for you guys. Um, but in the meantime, guys, if if iTunes is ever giving you guys trouble, if you're having issues downloading either into the podcast app or in into your iTunes on your computer itself, don't forget that you do have the ability to listen to it. Albeit it's not the ideal way, but you can go to lanterncast.com and stream the episode directly from the website. Or you can download the the MP3 file itself directly from the website as well. So don't forget you have those options. I, again, I know it's not the ideal method of of, of doing it. You, if you have and and use the podcast app or iTunes on your computer or something, but at least if you're jonesing for some lantern cast and you want to listen to the latest episode, you do have that ability. So don't forget about that. And last but not least. I kind of I, I was thinking about starting the episode out this way, but I kind of thought it might be, for lack of a better word, disrespectful to talk about it this uh, at the start of the episode and then go on like nothing. It's not a big deal for the rest of the episode. Um, I thought that would be worse than ending the uh, episode on a down note, so we're going to do it this way. Um, for those of you who don't follow us on Facebook uh, or you know uh, or Twitter. Um, uh, from CGS, Jamie D uh, passed away on Friday. Um, this was uh, May 2nd. Um, so if you listen to Comic Geek Speak or have listened in the past, um, just want to make you guys aware that uh, that Jamie D uh, passed away and uh, lost his lost his battle with with cancer. Um, it, it was hard on a lot of people. Uh, a lot of geeks. Um, the impact that Jamie had uh, was definitely seen and can still be seen up in even now as we record this. Um, people were coming out of the woodwork on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you go over to the comicforums.com, there's a, an, a, a, a post in there all about Jamie. And multiple people are talking about how. Uh, you, you know, a, a common theme in a lot of those comments is how they had never met Jamie, but they're going to miss him because he influenced them in various ways, be it um, suggesting a comic book that they now read consistently and love or, you know, uh, one of at least for me personally and as well, I could see from some of the posts on the forum, uh, some other people as well. Jamie was the one who was always championing the cause of if you – you know, like a certain creator and see him at a con, make sure you stop by and thank them for what they've done. 
because uh, you know you don't know if you'll get the chance to do that again. And I've with that you know thundering in the back of my mind, I've met Neil o- uh, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill and Joe Staten, you know, and, and and so many cool people. And you know, just even if I didn't talk to him on mic or for the show, at least I had a chance to say something. So uh, there's that. Um, the CGS just released an episode, their most recent episode, as we record this where a big contingent of people were in studio talking about their fond memories of him um, and and everything. I, I, I don't know. I, I've been talking for a while. You want to you say something, Mark? It was... It, it was very sad. Uh, it, was, it was the... It was kind of ironic because we were... Because Chad, Jim, Dan, and I got together to record something. Uh, some well wishes and to try to make him make Jimmy laugh and everything and which was which is quite an experience trying to do that because it's always a fine line trying to know what to say and try to be try to be amusing and as in for the person that you're trying to you know record for but yet try to be respectful at the same time so it was it was just you know it's a, it's a really sad time it's a sad experience yet you know obviously we our thoughts and our well wishes and prayers go out to the to his friends, yeah, friends and family. And it was, you know, I think it. We kind of knew it was coming, but I think the fact that you know it, it kind of I think it hit home probably a little bit more also just because of the fact that we were. It was like literally like within a day or two from us recording and putting together our our well wishes and our our best attempts to, you know lighten the mood as much as possible and then you know and then that happens so but it is very sad and he will be missed yeah um the episode because uh, i i don't want to make this about me anyways but just for for background i've never had anybody close to me die before so my relationship with the concept of death is a little different. It doesn't affect me as much as uh, everybody else does. Uh, I've met Jamie in person once at Super Show uh, in 2011, and I had a conversation with him, and uh, he's, he'll definitely be missed. But it wasn't until I was listening to that episode that it and, and it didn't even hit me hard because, like I said, I don't have um, the the best track record with uh, with that experience, but. What I realized, everybody talking about all these things and you know referencing some previous episodes and you know rants and arguments that Jamie would get into with you know Brian Deemer or something like that, that I realized I'm not going to get those again, and it kind of hit me that I'm not going to be able to to listen to this guy that I've been listening to for so so long, and I'm not going to hear him anymore. Uh, and, and be able to, you know, send feedback and, you know, Jamie's right or Jamie, you're, you're a dick, you're wrong <laughs> uh, or, or any of that stuff. I mean, the, the, and this was a point that was made again and again in that episode and, and has been made online. Those episodes are still there. So if you uh, are listening to this and you miss Jamie or, uh, you know, you, you want to get some experience with it, there are thousands and thousands of hours of, uh, of, uh, you know his rants and his his thoughts and and stuff like that that you can go listen to in the back catalog of of C- CGS episodes. And um, do you listen to CGS regularly, Mark? At all? I don't listen to it regularly. No. Okay. Do you know who Drunk Cap is? 
No. Um, CGS has uh, a voicemail line, just like we do. And um, one of the things that's been uh, a, a running thing on CGS is one of their fans pretends to be Captain America uh, when he calls in and, and leaves a voice message. And, and it's not just Captain America. It's drunk Captain America. <laughs> Talking about you know hooking up at the Christmas party with uh, with Black Widow or you know talking about various things and it's always it's always funny when drunk Cap calls, but he's always like taking a special liking to 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 Jamie, and he calls him Jeremy, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they were playing some voicemails that people last left and the last voicemail they played was from drunk Cap, and it was uh, it was pretty intense. I uh, about lost my shit on that one. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll and and, and I'll, I'll I'll say it here. Uh, you know, this uh, what I what I said on Facebook, and I'll just read the sentence. Um, they say a man is measured by the lives he impacts and the friends by his side. And Jamie D was immeasurable. So Godspeed, Jamie. And uh, just like Mark said, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, with his family and uh, in both you know, blood family and, and his extended CGS family. So there's that again. I didn't want to end the episode on a down note, but I didn't want to start off the whole thing on a down note either. And just go right into happy go lucky issue reviews either. So pick the lesser of the two evils there. <clears throat> and to be fair, there's not really a good way to uh, approach this type of news. <laughs> so this is true. Yeah. So uh, you done good. You done good though. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, do you uh, do you want to uh, tell people how they can contact us? Sounds like a plan. You can. If you want to contact us? You can email us lanterncast at gmail dot com. That's lanterncast at gmail dot com. You can visit our website lanterncast dot com. You can access our forums, our blogs. You can check out our galleries. Uh, products of the week which I will be trying to do a new one soon um, you can follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook with both of those you can use use hashtag GLcast to find us there we are on iTunes and Stitcher and if you like us on iTunes please leave us a positive review last but not least if you would like to leave us a voicemail call us at 708 Lantern and let us know what you think alright thanks guys uh, next episode Either thirty ones or whatever we choose to do. So yes, this is a this is a mystery because we have no idea what we're what we're doing next. Since the odds are we will we will be doing something before all the thirty ones come out, we just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> For sure, it's a mystery. <laughs> all right, guys, talk to you later. All right, good night, everybody. Bye. I feel like we're going to end up with bits that we can cobble together. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on and, it. And not like a straight on through. We, we did this in one take thing. Three hours of editing for a three minute piece. <laughs> the best of. That took us five hours to get. Oh my god. <laughs> the best of sending five good vibes to Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> Women want him. Men want
want to be him. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know, like th- those kind of like just sayings and just edit them all together into like a montage. What is she watching? I don't know. I can hear it too. Don't let him lie to you. It's two broke girls. Ah, I love that show. They have that in Russian? <laughs> yes. Oh. Especially Russian. <laughs> that show is epic. I don't care what anybody says. Cat Dennings is delicious. Well, that's creepy. <laughs> that is the creepiest <laughs> thing you said today. <laughs> Come on! I'm, oh. sure, I'm sure Jamie D would agree. Those big lips and giant tits. I mean, come on. Talk about raising somebody's hopes. Cat Dennings, that's all you gotta say. Oh, that, that should be it. We should just keep that piece and send it as is. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We're off the hook. Let's go. Jamie D, big tits. <laughs> Enjoy it, big guy. Sending your pictures of Cat Dennings. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Jamie. Dan Kurtzke here, Glenn from the forum, and I'm here with the rest of the Lantern Cast crew. Say hi, guys. Hey, what's up? Chad Bokelman. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? That, that was smooth, Chad Bokelman. Chad <laughs> That was smooth, Chad Bokelman, and this is not so smooth, Mark Barble. Oh, God. Jim <laughs> This is also Jim. Lord. <laughs> Moving on. Oh. Quickly, quickly. Professionalism right out the window and keeping with true CGS form. Go. Yeah, this is our best attempt to send you a nice, serious, personable get oh well. Oh my god, this is it? I don't know! Yeah, this is it. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. Go, Dan, go! <laughs> I Keep going! God, someone else! Mark! We just wanted to let you know that we're thinking about you, and we're wishing you the very best, and our thoughts are with you, and... It's not funny anymore, but I'm being sincere. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah, no, I mean, J- Jamie, you know, you've fought this fight for a long time, and you've beat it before. We, you know, we believe in you, man. You're gonna... Let's cut part of this. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> Wait, well, insert a fake voice. Wait, you're you're gonna do it this time. Wait, what? God, this is all <laughs> awful. We shouldn't use any of no, it. No, I love it. I can't. Oh Jesus, this is this is amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> I hope you like. I hope you like this, Jamie, because. <laughs> This all started because we listened to you and your buddies just sit around talking about funny stuff and stuff that you enjoy. And that's really why the four of us are even friends or know each other. So this is on you. Trust me, it's the only reason we're friends. It is. (laughs) It really is. It's why we all live in different areas from each other. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why. Yes, thank God, (laughs) Jack. And nobody knows anyone's mailing address, conveniently enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just say that. Well. <laughs> well, yeah, Jamie, I just wanted to tell you, man, uh, you know, just like Dan said, keep up the fight. You, you've gone through it so many times before, you get through it again. And, 
as uh, your buddy of mine, Stephen Amell, likes to say, fuck cancer, buddy. Fuck it. So I, I can't really I can't really top that. Um, Jamie, you uh, just the things that you you've you know you've done on the podcast, um, the places you've gone, uh, the topics that you've talked about. It's always been uh, you know awesome stuff. It's always been awesome. Um, so like all of that that positivity that you've sent out through the podcast. Um, I just, you know, would like to try and send some of it back towards you, and, uh, you know, you're definitely in our thoughts, and, uh, you know, we're pulling for you. Nicely said, Jim. Way to make the rest of us look bad, Jim, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> in true Ford form. <laughs> that, that's what he's here for. <laughs> Plans for nothing, and then in the end just cuts the rug out from underneath all the rest of us. Uh, you, you, you had the fuck cancer line, Chad. It's kind of hard to top that one. That's true. It's not my line. <laughs> you Chad plagiarized stole, it enough. Chad stole the line. My words were from the heart. That's right. Whatever. Whatever. All that matters is I'm his favorite. That's, that's Chad's? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take care, Jamie. Get better, buddy. Right, bye, Jamie. Bye. Take care. Good luck. Nailed it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> On the first try. Mic drop. <laughs> All I'm saying is that if it were me, yeah, the sentimental ones would be, you know, nice to receive. But every once in a while, like, the funny ones, you know, that make you laugh, like, those are appreciated. 